remind us as a church of who we are and where we're going, but then also what I want to do today is to look at three things I think God has been saying to us over the last few weeks and months that I think are going to shape us as we head into 2019. So part of it's a bit of a reminder. If you've been around a while, you will have heard some of this. If you haven't, this will be new. But then the bit at the end, I want to look at what God's been saying to us specifically that will hopefully shape us as we go into the um, new year. Now, I hope you had a good Christmas and a good um, relaxed, chill time, but I also hope you're ready for what God has this year. Me and my family, we had managed to have some time out, some time off. We spent time uh, just as a little family with our wider family. We, on Christmas Day, we did something which we'd never done before, which is we went down to the park in Sutton in the morning and watched a bunch of lunatics jump in the pond there and have a bit of a swim. There was about 200 people, and about 100 of them went in the water which was great fun um, because we were watching and laughing um, at them. Although my wife turned to me at the end and said, I'm doing that next year. So if you would like a laugh next Christmas day, come down and watch Melanie jump into um, the pool at Blackroot in the park and um, with a bunch of other people enjoy sub-zero temperatures. Um, I'll be on the side with the tea watching. So that was our Christmas. Now looking to this year, I want to do... Two things. I want to remind us of where we're going as a church and what we're about. Then we'll look at that prophetic stuff. The first thing, what we're about as a church, which we write up here on one of our banners, which is looking a little bit old and tired, but the truth of what is written on there stays the same. What we're about as a church, what our purpose is. Now, when we started Real Life Church, almost, what was it, eight years ago now, um, we came up with this statement. We said, Real Life. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and then changing our world with Jesus. It was all about him. That's what we said. And real life church is all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about following him. If you wanted to sum us up in a single word, that's what the word would be. It would be all about Jesus. We believe Jesus is what is who he said he was. He is the most important man who has ever lived. We believe he is God the Son come to earth, lived as a human, died, uh, lived the perfect life, died on the cross in our place for our sins, rose bodily from death, and now is ruling and reigning at the right hand of his Father in heaven. And we want everybody, everywhere, the opportunity to get to know Jesus for themselves. And that's what we're about. That is our purpose. It all begins with relationship with him. If you have a relationship with him, that's fantastic. One in 2019 to keep growing and multiplying that. If you don't know him, that is our one and only goal for you this year. That would be our New Year's resolution for you to come to know Jesus for yourself. Because he is the one who made you. He is the one who created you. He is the one who sustains you. And he is the only one who can save you. And so we want you to get to know Jesus for himself. But if you know Jesus, what does that then mean? Well, it means a life being slowly transformed into his likeness. The Bible says we are transformed from one degree of glory to the other. As the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are slowly changed as we love and serve one another. As we read our Bibles and pray, as we're part of God's community, the church, we get transformed bit by bit. If you've been following Jesus any number of years, hopefully you can reflect back And see what God has done in your life, how he has changed you, how he has shaped you, how he has moved you forward in him. And that's what our desire is for everyone here, to become slowly more and more like Jesus. Once you've had a relationship with Jesus, you follow his model. You live like him. You love and serve others. You forgive one another's. That's what we do. Then ultimately, that then should have an effect on the world around us, whatever your world is. 
the place where you live, the place where you work, the place where you hang out, where your kids are, all those kind of things. That's your world, and it should have an effect. And hopefully that effect will then in turn cause others to follow Jesus, which is ultimately what we're here for. We're to bring in glory and give others the opportunity to get to know Jesus. And that's our ultimate aim as a church, is for people to get to know Jesus for themselves. And as we head into 2019, we need to be reminded that's why we're here. I hope you've got your game faces on. hope you're ready to shed all that stuff you've eaten over Christmas and drunk and ready to get on following Jesus in 2019. But what particularly has God called us to as a local church here There's some things God said to us, particularly as we started the church, that have shaped us over the years and will continue to shape us to the future. This is where we're going. And as we started the church, we believe God said three things to us that I want to just remind you of again. And that was that we would be a large, influential, reproducing church. That was his call. That was his specific thing to us as a little group of believers who felt God's call to move to this town, to start this church, to follow him and step out in faith. That's what he called us to do. And we write it up on the banner here every week as well as a reminder. And I just want to quickly go through them. The first one is God called us to be a numerically large church, to grow. And we, we got this conviction from as we read our Bibles we saw that God's heart for his people was to grow and multiply. If we go back to the beginning, when God made heaven and earth, and then he made Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, he gave them a commission. What did he say to them? What's the first thing God said to them? Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. You are my people. You represent me. You've been made in my image. I want more of you. I want a growing community of people who love and honor and serve me. And so I said to Adam and Eve, go do that. And that's what they started to do. And then it all went wrong. There was sin. It came and it broke everything. And we fast forward a few chapters and we get to Genesis chapter 12 now. And God picks out a man named Abraham. And he picks him out and he says, you, through you, I'm going to bless the nations of the world. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you the father of many nations, which was hysterical because he was old, his wife was old, and they'd had no children. In fact, he said she was barren. She couldn't have kids. He says, I'm going to through you. I'm going to bless the nations of the world. And he says, he took him outside and says, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And so you're going to multiply and grow, and there will be vast nations come from you. And if you read through the narrative of Genesis, you see him God fulfill his promise through Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. And they have the story of Joseph, Technicolor, Dreamcoat, etc., etc. They go down to Egypt. And then while in Egypt, they multiply into a mighty nation. You go to the book of Exodus and suddenly there's like a million of these people. They've multiplied over the intervening years. God then sends Moses. They come out of slavery it gives them the law, they grow into a nation, they settle in the promised land. We saw that when we studied through the book of Joshua, and suddenly the people of God have gone from one man to this great nation. But it doesn't stop there, because the prophets then speak to Israel and say, actually, guess what? It's not just about you, as in the physical descendants of Abraham, it's actually wider. The prophet Isaiah says that the, um, the mountain of the house of the Lord will become chief among the mountains. And it says the nations will come to you. The nations will flow in. You will be a light 
to the Gentiles. That's the non-Jews, the non-physical descendants of Abraham. They're going to see something, and they're going to want to come in. So it's always wide. And then we fast forward to the New Testament. We get Jesus come to inaugurate this new kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. He takes 12 guys. He trains them. He then dies on a cross, rises from death, and he gives them a commission to those guys and the followers. And he says, you go where? Everywhere. All nations, all people, and what? Tell them about me. Baptize them, teach everything I've commanded. Go all over the known world. We go through the book of Acts, and what do you see? You see many, many people being added to the church, thousands at a time in certain points. It just keeps saying they multiply, they grow and grow throughout the Roman world as they knew it. And by the end of the, kind of the book of Acts, the gospel has reached Rome, the center of civilization as they knew it, and it, was kind of, it had gone everywhere. And then we fast forward a few more chapters, a few more pages, and we get to the book of Revelation at the end. And what does it say in Revelation? It says, John the Apostle said, I saw a vision, and there was a throne. And before the throne, there was a multitude. And how big was the multitude? I couldn't number them. They were so vast. Where were they from, John? Every tribe and people and language throughout the world. And so God has always had a heart for a people That was vast and diverse, representative of all the nations and ethnic groups on the planet. And we felt as we started Real Life Church that we too would be a church that would grow and multiply in that sense. I can't put a number on it. I don't want to put a number on it. But I know God has a heart to grow us. And if you just look around, when we originally started, there were eight of us and a kid, a child. And now we've got 104 under 18s, which is wonderfully terrifying. Um in what God is doing, and we're growing and multiplying, and we're not doing it because it's not because we're clever or vast, it's because what God has said to us, and we are following after him, and we've had prophetic words as a church that God would grow and multiply us, and we are trusting in faith that he will continue to do that, not for our glory or our fame, because we're smarter and clever or cooler than anyone else, but because we want people to know him, and we want him to get the glory and the praise. And I remember praying... Um, When we started the church, one of the prayers I prayed was, God, do something so significant here that there's no way we can take the credit. Do something that is beyond us, that is bigger than us, that people can't look at us and say, aren't you guys clever? No, isn't God amazing? Which is what he's doing amongst us now. Second thing God called us to be is to be an influential church. If you read through the the storyline of God's people, In the Bible, you find him again and again using men and women to be influential for his kingdom. And often these men and women exist in um, just uh, what we would call normal jobs, normal power structures, normal things that were going on at the time. And God took them and placed them in positions where they would be able to use their influence for God's kingdom and God's purposes and ultimately his glory. We see Joseph, who became prime minister of Egypt, which was the kind of superpower at the time. And he was raised up and he became second only to Pharaoh. And God used him there to save his, his people and the nation of Egypt, which was a pagan nation, and the nations round about. God used him for his glory. We see Daniel, who was an advisor in pagan Babylon, who was used by God, raised up. And he used his influence to a point where the king of Babylon ended up praising the God of Daniel, which was the God of Israel. Because he saw something happen there. We see Queen Esther in Persia who was used by God to save all the Jews who were under threat of death and execution. We see Nehemiah who was a cupbearer in Persia who God used to send um, 
uh, the exiles back to rebuild Jerusalem. And he got materials from the king and they, they managed to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And we see it again and again throughout scripture how God used men and women in different times and different situations to be used and influential for his kingdom. And then we move to the New Testament and we get Jesus talking to his followers and he makes two dramatic statements. He says to them, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You're the ones who are going to do it. You're the ones who are going to go and be out. What's the significance of salt and light? Well, salt it was used as a preservative to prevent decay. They didn't have fridges back then. They used salt on their thing. It also brings out flavor. When you put salt on food, it brings out the flavor of the food. So that's what you're doing. You're to be out there preventing decay, bringing out flavor. What about a light? Well, lights shine. They push the darkness out the way. They, they give us places so we can walk safely. They guide us. If there's a light, you can, you can follow it. You can see where you're going, like a lighthouse. And that's what you'll be called to do. He says, you are called to do that. You are my followers. That's what I want you to do. And you are to be out there being influential. And whatever situation you find yourself in as part of this church, whatever your home life is like or your work situation, whatever you want to call that, whatever your social situation is, your neighbors, God has uniquely placed you there to be influential for his kingdom. There's no one who can be as influential as you in that place because that's the place you walk. You spend most of your time there, not here. This isn't the focus of everything we do, a Sunday meeting, although it is important. Out there, we spend much more time, you have much more contact, and you have much more influence for God's kingdom. And that is what God has called us to be, to be wherever we are, we are to be influential. We have corporate things we do together which have their place, and Melanie listed some of them earlier, some of the things we've done, and we'll carry on doing them this year. But actually, at the same time, wherever you find yourself, God has called you to be influential. And as we were coming to plant the church, there was a certain scripture I read which kind of arrested me, and I was reading through my Bible in a year. Um, And when you do that, you read kind of several chapters at a time, and it's like a sprint through the Bible because there's a lot to read. And I was reading through the book of Jeremiah, And I was just reading it through and I came to this section and there's a section in Jeremiah that's very well known that says, I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you and give you a hope. You see that on coffee cups and stickers on people's fridges. But just before that, literally just before that, you get this bit. And the prophet Jeremiah is talking to the people of God who are in a foreign land because Jerusalem has been destroyed. They're in a place of of sadness and kind of anxiety. What is going on? God's city has been destroyed. Jerusalem has been destroyed. Temple has been destroyed. God, where are you? What are you doing? We're in a foreign land. We're in Babylon. Everything's going wrong. This is the worst possible place we can find ourselves. And what does the prophet say? Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And they're all listening. What do you want us to do? Go back. Rebel. No, he says. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And so God's commission to them was very specific you are to stay where you are 
and you are to be good to that place. You're to continue following me there. You're not to be resentful about it or kind of um, just put your head in the sand or be passive. In fact, you're to be totally active. You're to go after all the things um, I've called for you. He says you, have, you just get married. You're to have kids. You'd better take wives for, and just, uh, husbands for your kids, which means you're going to be there a long time. You build the homes, which is a sense of permanent. You get jobs, a plant vineyard. Add to it. Seek its good. And that's what we're to do here. We're exiles in this city. Our home isn't here. Our home is somewhere else in the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime, we're here. And God has called us. And he's saying to us as a church, act like you're here for the long term. Build homes. We'll, we'll call that buy homes because build homes is probably beyond many of us. Build homes. Have kids. Get them in schools. See them grow up. Work hard at your jobs. Get promotions. Give to this place that you're in. Wherever you find yourself, wherever that place is, you should be going in there saying, what good can I do here? How do I be the best worker that I can be? How do I be the best boss I can be? How do I be the best parent when I take my kids to school that I can be? How do I be the best neighbor I can be? How do I be influential for God's kingdom in the place that he's put me? And my heart, my desire, my prayer for us as a church is that we have... 100 plus adults scattered all over this city and the roundabout serving him being influential because we're going to be so much more influential that way than just one big blob as a church. We have our role together as a corporate identity but we have so much more influence as we scatter all over this place. And my heart is that we will have some excellent people in schools and educations who will love the kids and serve the kids and serve parents and and make sure that our schools are some of the best they can be where children get to learn in a safe environment. What about business and finance? That we have some excellent places to work that look after their employees, that have good um, morale and culture in there, that serve great products to consumers, that they can buy and so on the economy moves forward. What about law and government, if you're involved in that? People who run this city rightly and justly, that serve the needs of the poor and the hurting and the outcast and the foreigner and make this place a vibrant, thriving place that is governed well, run well, that law and order is prized and and, um, revered because they are serving us in making this a safe place to live. What about arts, films, and music? God is a God of creativity. He loves it. He designed it. Just look at the natural world, all the things he did. We want to be Christians who are the most expressive we can be in the terms of the arts and music and film and whatever you're involved in. Do it all for the glory of God. What about medicine and healthcare? if you're involved in that? Serving people who are suffering and dying and in pain. We have so many of you who I know work in that industry who do it with dignity and respect when you're up against budget cuts and all that that is. I love what they do there, and I want men and women to be serving that and to be as influential as they can for God's kingdom. We need people who will go and serve this city and love this city, and that is what God has called us to be, an influential church in that area. And I know many of you do that. Many of you head out tomorrow morning, and that's when you start serving God. That's your place of ministry. That's your place of influence. That's where God is going to use you to advance his kingdom. I'm just going to, pray. I'm just going to feel to pray. Can you just close your eyes? I don't know where you're going tomorrow morning. I don't know what your thing is. You've got to get the kids to school. You've got to get on the bus or the train or the car. Go into that 
environment. It might be a tough one. It might be one that you love. It might be hostile. It might be kind of easy. You might be the boss. You might be the underling. You don't know what you're coming against. But God is on you, and you are called to be salt and light in that place. Lord Jesus, I pray by your spirit that you would guard and guide us as a people as we head out tomorrow into our week. Lord God, would you give us a passion for ministry in that place? that we would love those that we are around, that we would serve our bosses and our colleagues and our customers and our patients and our children and everyone who is there. Lord God, use us for your glory in that place that we might be influential for your kingdom. And God's people said, amen. Amen. And the last one is that we would be reproducing. I believe God wants us to be a reproducing church that we wouldn't just whatever God does here whatever he has done here it wouldn't just terminate on us as a great holy huddle club where we can come and just love each other and it's great but actually God is going to use that to go out from here we want to reproduce um, on a um, what I've forgotten the difference now macro micro we want to introduce on an individual level which means we need people to become Christians. We want people to become Christians. We want to keep preaching the gospel and see lives change. That's the commission Jesus gave us. Go, preach my name, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We did that last year. Wonderful. I want to do that again this year. I want to see more of that happen. But also at the same time, we want to reproduce ourselves as a church. We want to plant other churches. We want to start other churches in other places so many, many more people will come to know Jesus for themselves. And if we follow the line of the New Testament, this is what they did. We see at Pentecost when the the Spirit fell and Peter preached and many thousand were saved. There was a reproduction there of followers of Jesus. It suddenly grew massively. We read through the book of Acts. We see the Apostle Paul particularly traveling around, planting churches, starting new communities in different places where people got to know Jesus for themselves. If you go to Acts chapter 13 and read it through to the halfway through Acts chapter 14, you find a series where Paul and Barnabas go and plant church after church after church after church in the place, and then they go back the way they came, checking and strengthening the churches that they had planted, where more and more happen uh, in those places. And we want to see that with us we want to grow and multiply. We want to take everything we've learned. We want to pass it on. We want to train. We want to teach. We want to release. And ultimately, we want to send people from here to start new churches in other towns, other nations. I do not know where they are yet. I'll let you know when I do. But that's our plan. Some of you in this room are not going to be here long term. We're going to send you. God is going to call you. God is going to speak to you. He will arrest you and he will say you are to go somewhere else. And that is a good thing. That is a great thing. That is what the kingdom of God is about. And we will do what we can to release you, to train you, to send you, to enable you to flourish wherever God has called you to. And my heart is I want to send a core team from here to start another church somewhere else. But some of you might go individually. Some of you might go overseas. Some of you might end up in Live Village or other places. And we love that. Because we want to see and the, the kingdom of God to reproduce and multiply as we go. And God spoke to us very specifically about this as we came to start the church there. If you've been around a while, you will have heard this. Uh, we got several uh, prophetic words as we were beginning the church. And, and people came to us and they said the same thing. Four people on four separate occasions said the same thing to us as we were starting. They said that real life church is going to be like a strawberry plant. 
That's what he said. And, we, and the first one who said that to me, I thought, yeah, whatever, weirdo. I'll just put that in the, you know, means nothing. Strawberry plant. I'm not a gardener. Don't care. Um, second person said it, and you suddenly think, okay, that's twice. I'm listening. Third person, okay, I've got it. Fourth person, all right, God, I've, I've got this. Strawberry plant. I went and looked up what strawberry plants are. Strawberry plants grow. They produce fruit. They're fantastic. We love them in our jam and on our scones. But what they do is they send out runners. They send out these shoots which go along the ground. And then they, they go into the ground. And guess what? They produce new plants. So as long as the first one's healthy, new ones grow up around it. If you've ever seen a patch of wild strawberries, it's quite hard to see where one starts and one finishes because of all these shoots gone off. And plants, runners have gone into the ground and plants have grown and multiplied. And when I read that, God arrests in my heart and said, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. You're going to start a real life church. It's going to grow. It's going to bear fruit. I see witness of that. You are part of that. But he said, actually, that's not, <laughs> that's not it. There's going to be more. You're going to do it more. It's not all going to be about you. You're going to send others out. You're going to give of your best. We're going to send some of our most faithful people, our people who love this church, who serve, who give, who make this happen. We're going to stand them on this stage and say, bye. <laughs> You're going to serve God somewhere else. And that is going to be a day of celebration. Because God is going to be fulfilling his word to us. And we're going to keep reproducing. We're going to do it locally. I want to see more people become Christians. But we're going to do it globally as we send others to other parts of this world to serve him in those places. So there's just a quick recap of what we are as a church, where we're going. That's what we're about. I hope for many of you that's not new. That's like, yep, that's what I've signed up. That's what I am part of this church. If you are new, that's what you're coming into. Come and join us on this journey. It's awesome. It's amazing to see what God has done. Make this place your home. Make this place. Get plugged into what we're doing here and be part of it. And who knows where God will send you and what God will do with you. Um, All right. Let's move on. Last bit. Let's look at some, some prophetic for 2019. Now, as a leadership, we've been talking and praying just as we do, meeting and chatting and thinking about this year and just having conversations. I've been praying, Melanie's been praying, and we felt God said a bunch of things to us that we've sort of lived with and thinking, actually, I think this might be something more than just for that moment, that particular meeting that seems to carry on. And I want to share three of them with you. Now, a word on the prophetic, when someone feels something, they've got something from God and they share it, in a context, like a, maybe a meeting like this or a prayer meeting or one of your life groups or in another time, that's great. It's good to hear what God is saying, but there's also a process you need to go through. You can't just take it as read. And so I just want to remind of that. The first thing you need to do, I think it's helpful to think of it as a traffic-like system. Red, amber, green. Red is the first one. first one is stop. Red. You need to stop and check it with the Bible. That's the first thing you do. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, what do we do? Bin it. And you may think that sounds obvious, but there are people I know who've had prophetic words that's like they're completely opposite to what the Bible would have you do. And so we just bin it. You need to also check it with others, other godly men who are around you. That's why we're always trying to bring the prophetic in a public context or a community context with more than one person there so you get to hear it and talk to it about someone so there's just there's accountability in that okay we all get to hear this even if someone comes up to you and says I feel my God right let me get someone a friend someone I know come and stand with me listen to this 
So we get to hear it and weigh it together. Check out your own witness. Does it sit with you? Is it something that actually resonates with you? If it doesn't, walk away, bin it. And we often talk about this, and this doesn't happen very often, but it's good to put this out there front. Most stuff is really good, really uplifting, really building. But we always start with a red. Stop. Does it work with the Bible? Does it work with others? Does it fill with my own spirit? The second one, amber. And sometimes that is you need to wait. Sometimes God speaks, and there's a waiting on it. Actually, God says this is going to happen, and at some point in the future it's going to happen. So you have to wait in expectation for it. We had this when God called us um, to lead a church. It was probably, I'll do the mass, it was nearly 20 years ago when I felt that call. God says, actually, there's some leadership in you, and I've got you to call these people, and I must have been out 21, and it's hard for you to believe this, but I was a bit of a muppet at 21. Do you know what I mean? I thought I knew it all, but with reflection, I thought, do you know what? I didn't know anything. You know, it's that one thing. I know you can't believe that, but it's just, I'm just being honest here, that that's what it was like. And so it was one of those things that I had to wait on, and it wasn't until I was in my 30s that God was like, okay, now's the time. We're going to walk on with this. I'm going to bring this to light. I'm going to maneuver circumstances so you can walk into what I've said. And often God speaks, and sometimes we have to wait on it. Often calls to things, ministries, there is a waiting in it. The, people, the, the history of God's people, if we read our Bible, there's a lot of waiting. God called David to be king, and how long did he have to wait? Years and years and years and years. And the current king wasn't happy and tried to kill him in that process. Sometimes there's a waiting. And then we get green. Sometimes there's things you've just got to go and do now. Get up, go, go in faith. God might call you to repent. Do it now. Do not wait about it. God might call you into something that you just need to respond to. The classic one for churches is get baptized. Here's me giving you a prophetic word from the Bible. Now, get baptized. Don't wait on that one. We've got a date coming up in Easter. Get baptized. If you haven't been baptized as a believer, do that. But there's many other things he calls you to do. To step out in faith, to respond to a word of knowledge or something. You've just got to go there and then. And get on with it. And what we've got this morning is a few things I want to put under that green category for us to actually do something now. And there's three things. I've got a choice, a challenge, and a call. See what I did there? This must be from God. That's the other thing. Alliteration is really important in hearing the word of the Lord. (laughs) Number one, a choice. Now, this is something that Melanie brought at a a prayer meeting we had um, few weeks um, before kind of Christmas time and the image was a building site and the phrase that came out was as we go deeper he will build higher and if you know anything about buildings I don't know much but I know a little bit that when you're building a building the thing they start with is the foundations so if they want to build a big building they actually start by digging down which is counterintuitive but you need to build strong foundations to put a building on the top And the bigger the building, the higher the building, the grander the building, the deeper the foundations have to go. So when they build these skyscrapers you see in cities, the the, the foundations, the unseen underneath are so deep and so much has been put down to hold the weight of the building that comes above. And the word that came to us in this meeting was, "As, as we go deeper, he will build higher. 
as we go deeper, we will build higher. And there was a choice that actually we can get lost in activities. We can get lost in trying to build up and do things and proclaim the name of Jesus and, and do more activities and events which aren't bad, but we can get lost in them. And there was a call that God said, you've got to make a choice here, church. Are you going to go deeper with me? Because as you go deeper with me, I will build higher. And what are you going to have your eyes on? What are you going to have your focus on? And so for us, the church, looking to this year, we're not going to add any extra activities or events. We're not going to pile our calendar through. We've got a bunch of things we kind of do, which is just the way our calendar works. We're going to carry on doing that. But we're going to put a choice for us as a church, and it's a choice as individuals. Are you going to go deeper with him? Do you want to go deeper with him? When it comes to reading your Bible in the morning and you get up, are you going to take that moment, take that choice to go deeper? Are you going to block out the distractions? Are you going to turn off the phone, close the computer, close the door and say, I'm just going to give these minutes that I have now to go deeper with you, God. I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, come fill me, open God's word to me that I may learn and go deeper with my Father. Are you going to make that choice? When it comes to Sunday worship and you pile in here, and we're about to start, and the countdown ticks down, and the band are ready to go. Are you going to make the choice to go deeper? Are you going to get here and say, this is my moment in the week where I'm going to have some opportunity to worship Jesus? Are you going to go deeper with him? Are you going to take that mind? We, we sing the songs. I don't know if you do. If I know the song, I don't even have to look at the words. I learned it. I'm a good Christian. I can just, no, you know, you just, you do it. Are you actually going to think about what you're singing, focus on it? I say, actually, what does this truth mean to me? What does this truth mean? Show me about God. How does this grow my heart, my faith, my love for him? Are you going to listen to them? Are you going to listen to the incredible sermons we have with expectation and faith that God will speak to you? Or are you thinking, my goodness, he's been going 32 minutes. Is he going to quit anytime soon? I've got a top watch. I know exactly how far I'm going. Are you going to do that? Are you sitting with faith? Have you got something out to take the notes to say, okay, God spoke to me. I'm going to write that down. Some of you take full notes. Some of you just haven't just write the one line. Okay, God spoke to me about that. I need to just make a note of that on my phone. Look, this, look, look at that. It should be this. But I'm doing, I'm doing this. This is a generation of where I'm at. Am I going to take that note and write it down? When you come to the prayer meeting, which is this Tuesday, by the way, Come and join us to pray. Are you going to just come in and say, I'm just going to go deeper. I've got this opportunity. There's a couple of hours where we're going to pray. We're going to engage with God. I'm going to go deeper. In our life groups that we meet each week, are you going to say, I'm going to come and I'm going to have an opportunity to go deeper, to learn, to learn more about my brothers and sisters who are in the group. How do I serve them? How do I love them? When we come to pray at the end or share bread and wine or whatever it is, I'm going to go deeper. Are you going to make a choice? to go deeper this year? Is that your heart's desire? Is that what it is? And it's a choice we get to make daily. So it doesn't matter if you mess up one day and think, oh, I didn't do very well. It's like, new day, new start. That's the great thing. But it's a choice we get to make daily. Are you going to make a choice to go deeper? Because I believe as we go deeper, he gets to build higher. That's the way it works. The more devoted we are to him, the deeper we've gone in him, the more we've learned about him, the more we've been transformed into moments, the more effective we are for God's kingdom. You want to be more effective for God's kingdom in your workplace or wherever it is, we go deeper. And there's a choice we get to make.
And so as we go through this year, we're going to keep coming back to this. We're going to get opportunities. You've got your daily choice. We've got opportunities at our prayer meeting. Every Sunday we're here. Are you willing to make that choice to go deeper? The second one, a challenge. And this was something that Phil shared on one of our leadership groups that we're a part of. And it's, it's a line from Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. And he's prayed for them that they would know God's love and they would know the length and the breadth and the depth of it. And then it adds at the end of the prayer, verse 20, it says that he can do infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more. And so Paul is saying, I want you to be grounded in God's love. I want you to know it deeply. I want you to have that kind of, that, that sense of his love for you and you've gone after it. You've gone deeper with him. But whatever you think God can do for you, God is capable of way more. I don't know what your ideal for your life and situation is, your family, your workplace, your, your neighbors that you think, could God use me in this situation to have an impact here? The good news is he can do way more than you think. He can do way more than you think. And there's a challenge for us there in actually, are you willing to believe that? Are you willing to stretch for that? Are you willing to take that challenge and actually think, God, you can do more than I think? Do you need to reassess the way that you view certain situations? Do you need to set some new normals in your life? Now, God spoke to me about this, about new normals. I don't know if you know me, I like to go for a run every so often. It's one of those things I do. I'm looking forward to the fun run coming up to train for that. But when I started doing this about five, six years ago, I couldn't run to the end of the hall without being out of breath and wanting to give up, shrivel up and die. It was just, that was, for me, that was normal. If I asked me to run from there to there, that wouldn't be good. But the more I trained, the more I practiced when I did my first fun run, I got a bit better. My normals changed. I could go out and run for 10 minutes and I would survive, which for me was huge. And then I could run for 20 minutes and I still, and I didn't want to die at the end of it. And I thought, man... Then 30 minutes and 40 minutes. I remember once when I, I ran for an hour on my own. It wasn't very fast, but I did it. And I was stunned at the end of it. I thought I couldn't believe I did it. And the way I'd done it is I just set new normals in my life. I just set new, new challenges and they became normal. And we all do this all the time. You start a new job, you suddenly got a longer commute or a different environment. It can be hard at first, but very soon it just becomes normal. That's just what I do. I get up at this time, I get ready, I travel this way to work on the bus or the train or the car, and it's a 40-minute drive, and that's just normal for me. And I think in this, God's challenging us to set some new normals. What is your new normal going to be when it comes to your devotional life? This year, a good time to reassess what you're doing in your devotional life. What's your new normal? If you haven't really done anything, how about think about reading a little bit of your Bible every day, reading a chapter of a gospel every day, just jotting down something God might have spoken to you about. What is your new normal? What is your normal when it comes to your friends and families who don't know Jesus? God really challenged me on this one. I've got friends and family who don't know Jesus, and I'd got to a point where I I wouldn't verbalize it like this, but this is really where I was. God couldn't save them. That's where I kind of got to. I was, I was just, that's the state. They're, just, they're not going to come to know Jesus. I've prayed for them over the years. We've done things. It's just, I'd, I'd given up inside. And through this, when we got this, God can do more than I asked for a thing. I suddenly thought, this is not on. 
I can't live like this. I shouldn't live like this. I need to challenge my normal here, and I need to set a new normal, which means I'm now regularly praying some friends and family who don't know Jesus. I'm praying that God will come and impact their life. I'm praying that he will bring Christians into their workplace and along their paths, that they would have an impact on others. What new normals do you need to set in your life to believe God that he can do more than you can imagine or think? One incident happened to me just before Christmas. There's a guy I know who was having a very difficult family situation, and he told me about it. I asked him, I haven't seen you for a while, how are things going? Da, da, da. We're chatting away, and he told me about this horrible situation, very painful, and I just thought, and I, then you, I had that moment, and I thought, old normal, new normal, new normal. I said, do you know what? I'm going to pray for that situation. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I'm going to pray for your situation. I thought, do you know what? He said, thanks. I thought, I can't believe this. I like this new normal. I'm going to try this again some other time. And so we prayed for him. I went home, we shared with Mel, and we prayed. And we prayed for him. And I went back to him, um, and actually the situation had got better. Whether it was through my prayer or not, we don't know. But I'm, he, he, he'd put the link together. And so that was for me, that was my new normal. We're praying. I'm going to offer to pray for people now. If you've got a situation, let's just pray about it. And so I want to challenge you. What is your new normal going to be in 2019? How are you going to believe God that he can do infinitely more than you might ask or imagine? Last one. We're going to finish. The last one is a call. And this is something that Ben shared on our group about being in his house. And I felt this was important for us because if we're going to go deeper and him going to build higher and we're going to believe God for what he can do amongst us, where do we need to be? We need to be part of God's community. We need to be in his house. We need to be around other believers who will challenge our faith, encourage our faith, help us grow in faith bit by bit. And he shared this story from Luke 2 where um, Mary and Joseph lose Jesus. Do you remember that story? When they're on the way to Jerusalem and they're going back and they find out they've lost Jesus. What must have gone through their mind when they said, God, do you know that only begotten son you gave us? Do you have a spare? No, he's the only one. Crumbs. We better go find him. And I command, if you you ever lost a child, a panic. But what the story goes out, they find him. Where do they find him? In the temple where he's conversing with the teachers. And he's chatting them. And Mary and Joseph come up to him. How they kept their hands from not like round his throat. If you've ever lost a child, you want to hug them and throttle them at the same time. Because you're so relieved. But where have you been? And, and then Jesus looks at them and says, where else would you find me? Where else do you think I'd be but in my father's house? It's like, can you imagine Jesus going, duh, I'm here. I mean, they must have been weeping and crying. I don't know. But that's what he said to them. I was in my father's house. Where else would I be? That's the place I'd be. And then the interesting thing, that passage ends with it says that Jesus returned home with Mary and Joseph. It says he grew in wisdom and stature as he grew in following God. And for us, as we kind of look into 2019, as we go forward in here, we've got a call. As followers of God, we need to be part of his house. We need to be part of his church. We need to be involved in community. And if you're part of this church, then you need to be involved in the community of the church. If you're a guest and you're from other churches, that's wonderful. But you then need to be plugged into your local congregation, wherever that is. 
And we do it primarily through our life groups where you're connected, where you've got a place where you're known and you can be served and you can be loved and you can be looked after and you in turn can do that to others as well. But you need to be part of his house. You need to be connected. And that's, another, that's a call that goes out to us. Again, it's another choice you've got to make. Are you going to be part of God's house? How are you going to get connected? How are you going to stay plugged in to what we're doing? Because that one is vital to completing the other two. 42 minutes, let's stand. I'm just going to pray to finish. And can the band come back up? And we're going to worship Jesus. We have just finished an outstanding year that God has blessed us mightily and done some amazing things amongst us because he's good and gracious and kind and he said he would. But we stand here, 2019 has just begun. We're looking forward to the year ahead and there's some particular things God wants to say to us and I just want to just take a moment to respond in prayer now and then we're going to sing um, and worship him. So maybe you want to close your eyes, open your hands. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for what you've done in Real Life Church. Lord, I want to thank you for what you did in 2018. I want to thank you for the way that you've led us and the way that we got, had the opportunity by grace to be light to the world around us, Lord Jesus. As we begin 2019, I want to say for me, I want to say for us as a church, I want to go deeper with you. I want to know you more than I did last year. I want to look back at 2019 when we get to the end and think, man, I've gone deeper with God. And I don't know what that works, what that is for you, what God's been speaking to you, but I just want you to respond personally and say, God, I want to go deeper with you, whatever that is. And if there's something specific that you might have mentioned or dropped into you, make a note of that, mental note. That's it. That's what I want to do. I want to go deeper. I want to make that choice. Reading my Bible, getting along to prayer meetings, coming to the Sunday meetings with a good attitude. It could be a hundred other things. Whatever it is, make that choice. And I want to challenge your faith now. Do you believe God can do more than you think in your workplace, in your family situation, in your own life, with, with your children, with your parents, with your neighbors, with whatever situation you've got around it, a broken relationship, people far from God, a a, a health thing, a financial thing, whatever it is, God can work in that situation for his glory. He will do way more than you could ever ask or imagine. And the last one, I'm calling you as your pastor to be plugged into this house. Be plugged into this house. If you have a local church house, be plugged into that one, whatever it is. I want you just to make a response now, God. I'm just going to give you a few moments of silence. Just respond to God in your heart. Say, this is what I want to do, God. This is what I'm going to do. This is the, yeah, this is the direction I want to go. Lord Jesus, we want to love you. We love you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you that you saved us, brought us to this place. We thank you for your church. We thank you for all you're doing amongst us and around the world. Lord Jesus, and we pray as we look to 2019, Lord God, we say we want to go deeper with you. We want to believe you for more. Lord Jesus, and we want to be fully connected to your people for your glory, Lord. Amen.